I'm curious how many of you um, already have your turkeys out thawing for this week? Like you got the turkey out and it's, it's getting thawed and nobody yet? How many of you already have your stretchy pants out for this week? Like you're prepared, <laughs> you know, you're prepared for, for uh, what may come later this week. I don't know about you guys, this is always one of my favorite weeks of the year. Like, this is always one of my favorite holidays of the year is Thanksgiving. And um, growing up, you know, it was like the unofficial start to Christmas season, you know, kind of like the the week of Thanksgiving was like that unofficial start. And then like Thanksgiving evening was actually the official start, you know, because NBC would show Home Alone and It's a Wonderful Life back to back and Christmas season was underway, right? And that's when our hometown would turn on the Christmas lights downtown, which had only been put up like a couple of days before. Now, you know, Christmas starts at about 8 p.m. on Halloween evening. As soon as the last trick-or-treater stops, boom, magically Walmart's full of Christmas trees, right? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And so, uh, you know, I'm wondering, I want to do a quick informal poll here. How many of you already have your house decorated for Christmas? I had a joke to follow up, and that just, that just messed it all up. So. But those of you who raised your hand, you're already decorated for Christmas. What's wrong with you people? Hey, Thanksgiving yet. You all, thank you, yeah. I'd like you all to know, Amelie, my, my middle child, her birthday's Tuesday. Okay, a little context here. We're driving home from daycare the other day, driving down 6th Street, and Elsie, my oldest, goes, oh, look, all the nutcrackers are out already, and she gets mad. Why are the nutcrackers out? We haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. Amelie hasn't had her birthday yet, and Amelie's response is, they forgot my birthday? <laughs> I hope you all feel bad. <laughs> so how many of you are staunch my Christmas decorations don't go up until Thanksgiving or at least right at Thanksgiving. What's wrong with you people? Well, I mean, don't you enjoy all your decorations enough to have them up for two months? Like, what's wrong with you all? If you don't know me, my name's Kurt, and I'm convinced that God put me here on this planet for one reason, and that's just to antagonize and stir the pot. <laughs> You're getting yours up later? That's good. That's what God told us to do, is not put it up until Thanksgiving, so. <laughs> you remember back in the good old days? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm rabbit trailing a mile before we get started here. Back in the good old days when Christmas movies didn't start playing until Thanksgiving, back before, you know, Hallmark came around, showing the same movie since August over and over. If you don't know me, my name's Kurt, and... Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure God put me here for one reason, and that's to remind you that Hallmark movies are not worth watching. So, <laughs> But as we head into this week, this is a week that we all kind of stop, pause, yes, we eat, but what is the whole purpose of this week of Thanksgiving? To stop and pause and give thanks, right? That's what the name suggests. That's what we should do. And I hope, I really hope that you all don't just spend this one week of your calendar thinking about what you're thankful for 
or just the one day on your calendar thinking and considering what it is you're, you're thankful for. I hope it's something that we do throughout the course of the year. And maybe if you don't do that well enough, you can use this week and this holiday this week as a reminder to do that, to kind of get us kick-started a little bit. Because I think if we're not careful, uh, we can uh, get into this mode where we just start getting a little bit too selfish, a little bit too maybe, I don't know, looking into what, what we need ourselves. When you think about that, that's our, that's our human nature. My youngest, Titus, is uh, going to turn 18 months here in a few days and has discovered the word mine <laughs> just in the last few days. We did not teach him that word. And guess what? None of us have to be taught that word, mine, mine. And what do we have to do as parents? We have to remind him, no, that's not yours. No, you don't need that. And sometimes, parents, you, you do certain things, and maybe as you try to get your kids to get past that mind phase, you maybe feel a little guilty about it, like, well, they're just kids, but I wonder if that, that feeling of guilt ever has crept into any of you as parents as you try to get your kids steered in the right direction. Maybe, maybe some other things can cause ideas or feelings of guilt that, that strip in as parents. I know for me, sometimes I, I feel guilty because I don't give my kids enough attention. Or sometimes I give them too much attention and then don't give somebody else attention that, that they might need. Uh, moms, maybe you feel guilty because you uh, work too much or not working uh, enough. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, grandparents, you feel guilty because you spoil your kids too much or not enough. I mean, it's like there's always something that kind of causes us some feelings of guilt, right? Maybe, maybe Christians, we feel guilty because we don't pray enough for each other, or we don't read our Bible enough, or we don't serve in the church enough. I mean, there's always something that causes guilt, but what, what is it that we always feel guilty about? Like, like what, what's the core of that? We're not giving somebody what they deserve in our minds. We're not giving them as much as they deserve. We're cheating them something that they feel they deserve. In other words, we don't want to let others down, and when we do, sometimes that causes us to feel a bit guilty, Right? And I think when we look at this, we kind of see where Jesus came from a little bit. Because if, if you're just joining us, we've been in this series the last few weeks called Things Jesus Never Said, looking at things that maybe we as Christians do without realizing or thinking about it. But Jesus never told us to do that. In fact, he told us the opposite of that. And today we're, we're looking at uh, this, this idea of guilt, because guilt stems from this idea of, I didn't give somebody what they deserved. I didn't give them enough. I've cheated something of something they deserved. And maybe you're like me. It's very easy to look and see what I think I deserve. It's very easy to look and see what I don't have compared to what I think I deserve. But guess what? Jesus never said, he never said this, you get what you deserve. Jesus never told us that. And really, if you look at the Bible, Jesus didn't so much tell us the opposite of that, but goodness gracious, Jesus took something that he did not deserve. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 23 today. You want to go ahead and turn there? We're going to camp out there. And I'm just going to kind of set this up because this is probably, probably a very odd passage to talk about on the week of Thanksgiving. Okay, because we're, we're looking specifically in, Luke 23 is, is the, the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. And we're specifically looking at those last few minutes that Jesus was alive. And so as we, um, as we look at this, I want you to kind of consider, consider the context here. This is Jesus, right? This is Jesus who is the Son of God, who's God in flesh. He has lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And what is he currently in his situation nailed to a cross? 
okay? So all of that kind of plays into here. And, and if you think about Jesus, and I were to ask you, like, what do you think Jesus deserved in life? Like, like he's, you know, he's been in ministry for a few years. He's starting to build his kingdom, starting to build his, his team to, to, to do ministry with him. What does he deserve? You'd probably say something like, well, Jesus deserved a, a gold crown full of jewels. But what does he have instead? He's got a crown of thorns jabbed down onto his head. Or you might say Jesus deserves this, this uh, like army of loyal uh, followers and servants. And, and what does he have instead? He's got a bunch of people who ran scared and hid. He's got two or three disciples left here and a bunch of people mocking him instead. Or you might say, well, Jesus deserved uh, like this ultimate throne in heaven. And instead he is nailed to a cross. Nailed to a Roman cross, a symbol of pain. So here's kind of the, the gist of where we're getting with all of this today. Jesus took far less than he deserved, so he could give us far more than we deserve. Because what we're going to see is what I really deserve, Jesus took and gave us what he deserved instead. And it, it's, it's, hopefully for you, it, it did for me, it kind of has, has caused me a lot this week to stop and pause and think about what exactly I, I consider myself worthy of. But here's kind of the story. Jesus is on the cross, and um, he has uh, been up there for a little while. But, but here's where the story picks up. Luke chapter 23. We're going to pick up in verse 32. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, uh, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. I'm going to push pause here for just a second because I want to kind of put this into perspective, a little context here. Some of you know this, some of you might not. We, we read about these men being criminals or some translations will say thieves next to Jesus on the cross. A crucifixion was not used just for any ordinary execution. Okay, now they had forms of execution, uh, both in the Jewish establishment and in the Roman establishment, that were much more common. And if so, if they wanted to execute uh, the common variety prisoner who deserved execution, a lot of times they would stone them. And, and by what that means, a little different connotation than it might mean here in Oregon, but what it means in this culture was basically they lay them on the ground and they throw huge stones at them until they're dead. I mean, that, that was a simple way to do that. Remember last week we talked about the woman caught in the act of adultery. That's what they were about to do. They were about to stone her, throw rocks at her until uh, she was dead. That was, that was normal. A, a crucifixion, on the other hand, was not reserved for just any common criminal. It was reserved to make a statement. So these are typically people who are not only criminals, but they are threats to the establishment. They're revolutionaries. They are people who have committed something so heinous or are about to commit something so heinous that the Roman Empire wants to make a statement. These were very public. They were done usually on very busy uh, roadways. Just kind of think about this. If we still pr practice this today, it'd probably take place down on 6th Street, like 6th and G, right there at the heart of town, where everybody's going to pass by and everybody's going to see because they wanted to make a statement because they wanted to dissuade other people from trying this. So that's why you see these two guys as criminals. They're probably much worse than just average criminals. Okay, they're probably traitors to the state. They're probably people who are threatening to overthrow the state or really cause a major, major issue. And as Jesus is up there, he's being mocked, both by the criminals and the people all around. 
And this is what blows me away in verse 34. Jesus, looking around at the people, looking at the, the criminals on either side, what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So think about this for a second. Not only is Jesus hanging on a cross reserved for people who are threats to the state, getting what he doesn't deserve, but the people who are mocking him, the people who put him on the cross, what does he give them in return? Not even close to what they deserve. They deserve to be just slammed. And what's Jesus say? Forgive them. He he not only forgives them, he has empathy on them. They don't know what they're doing. Goodness, we think about this. We think about what people have said to us and how they might have hurt us. And how do we reply? Like we justify our response to them because they deserve that. And Jesus, from the cross, forgives the people who put him on the cross. Man, it's hard to fathom sometimes. That's hard to think about sometimes. And you read down through the passage, they, the, the soldiers take his clothing and they, they, they bet on it. Like they, they play a game and that's, that's what they win in, in this game. And then more people stand there and they mock him going, man, if he's really God, he'll let himself down. You know, if he's really God. And they go on and they, they hang this sign over his head that says, King of the Jews, in a very mocking fashion. And, and the mocking continues all the way to one of the criminals on his side who says this in verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there also hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Well, then save yourself and us. Now, on the one hand, we could give this guy a little benefit of the doubt because if I'm in that position, I'm going to say whatever I need to say to try to get out of this. Hey, you know, I don't think you are, but if you really are, get us out of here. Or maybe he's just being arrogant and mocking. Maybe he's getting one last jab in because he's going to die here in a few minutes. So I might as well go down swinging, right? But look at the other criminal. Verse 40. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. That's a key phrase there. This guy knows what he's done. He knows what he deserves. I'm going I'm to start some common statements for you. I want you to finish these for me. Uh, if I say what goes around comes around, right? Or um, your past will come back to haunt you. Or how about this one? Uh, you made your bed now. There you go. What are all those saying? You get what you deserve. When I taught, I had students that would spend the whole semester working very hard at absolutely nothing. I mean, they would go the whole semester and they might turn in one assignment a week, you know, if that. It never failed. I had two or three of them in April with just a couple weeks left in the school year. Um, how can I get my grade up to like a C? Well, you can't. You could have had you spent the last couple months actually trying, but it's too late. You can't. You've earned this. You've earned this grade, and that's what you're going to have. See, they, they got what they deserved. And in certain contexts, when it's a black and white issue, yes, you get what you deserve. But Jesus, in this situation, didn't play that game. See, verse 41, he said, We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Verse 42, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know what I love about this? 
He doesn't address him with any title. What does he say? He calls him by name. I mean, he, surely he knew who this guy was. Everybody knew who Jesus was. I mean, whether you knew him because you, uh, you, you followed him or you knew him because he was public enemy number one, you knew who he was. Jesus, he says, remember me. Man, how humble of an ask is that? This guy didn't make any statements about his feelings. He didn't make any statements. He didn't try to appeal to any logic. He just asked Jesus one simple request. Would you remember me? When you take over your kingdom, because I know your kingdom is not here on this earth. I know there's something different about you. Now think about this. This thief who's here, okay, he, he... couldn't do anything to change his standing with God in terms of ability. I mean, he is nailed to a cross. He is moments away from death. He couldn't, um, he couldn't like, walk and follow Jesus because his feet are strapped to this cross. He couldn't perform works and serve people because his hands are nailed to this cross. He doesn't have time to turn over a new leaf in life because he's moments away from dying. He can't go join a church. He doesn't have tomorrow. His life is about to end. And Jesus tells him in verse 43... Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. I wonder how many of you might see a real life situation like this. Because it's easy to read the Bible and think this, but you see a real life situation of the worst of the worst criminal making a deathbed confession. And Jesus is going, yeah, come on. You're like, whoa, whoa, wait a Wait a minute. You know what this guy's done? Like, have you seen his, his, his rap sheet? And you're just going to let him into heaven like that? Like, I, I've done all this stuff to follow you, Jesus. This guy hasn't even cared about you until he's about to die. And now suddenly you're going to let him into heaven? Jesus is like, yeah. No, no, no. You know, he's guilty. He, he deserves what he's going to get. Now, think about this. Maybe you're pro or anti-capital punishment. I don't know. But we all have somebody we think has deserved this really harsh sentence. They've earned their punishment. And with that person, you're like, no, they, they are guilty. They deserve this. You want a, you want a little news flash? <laughs> we all do. We all deserve that. If I think about this, Paul, Paul gives a couple of statements in Romans that just... Stand out to me. In Romans chapter 3, he says this, for all have sinned, we talked about this verse last week, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then in chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. So put these together. Let's just kind of come up with a little uh, logical exercise here. Put these together, what's that say? For all have sinned, and because all have sinned, all deserve death. Pretty much, right? But here's the thing. Jesus didn't give us what we deserved. Through him, we didn't get what we deserved. We deserve death. But through Jesus, we have life. And more than that, through Jesus, we get to experience the love of God. I mean, it's not enough he just gave us life. He gave us all the stuff that comes with the love of God, too. So let's think about this. I want you to kind of maybe think about sometime you've given somebody something that they probably didn't deserve. Like, you gave them more than they probably, did, uh, probably deserved. Okay, think about that for just a second, because that's so fractional compared to what God has given us. I mean, think about this. God gave us, here's just a few things God gave us. He gave us grace. 
He gave us grace. Grace, by its very definition, cannot be deserved or earned or merited. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in his introductions, I thank my God always for you because of his grace given you in Jesus Christ. I mean, grace is defined as unmerited favor. Can't earn it, can't deserve it, nothing you can ever do to have that given to you as a just reward. And God gives it to us anyway. And because we have received that grace, we're expected to extend that grace and mercy to others. Paul says that in Ephesians. We're supposed to give that to everybody else. Uh, God gave us restoration. Think about this. If you've got a broken relationship, you can relate to this because restoration is that relationship being put back to the way it was to begin with. Some people restore old classic cars back to like they just rolled off the showroom floor. That's similar to what God has done with us. Just a moment ago, we gave you that verse in, in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's how that verse continues on in verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Think about this for a minute. I highlighted a couple words there. Because if you don't know kind of how this, this works, when Jesus went to the cross, three things happened. We were justified. That means we were freed from the legal bonds of our sin. Well, guess what the legal bonds state in the Bible, the, the wages of sin are what? Death. We're freed from that. We are redeemed. We're set free. It's, it's like an image of slavery. We've been set free from bondage. And then we are atoned for. Sacrifice of atonement. We're set free from the wrath of God. You see, a just God can't have sin go unpunished. If there's a, something that happens, if, if, if there's a, a sin, there's a mistake, there has to be punishment for it. But atonement means we're set free from that wrath. He took his wrath out on Jesus. Jesus got what we deserved so we could get what Jesus deserved. The third thing that we get is healing. Uh, we we uh, prayed with folks this morning for healing. We're praying with p- people every week for healing. We see them come in on our emails every single week on, on healing. And here's what I love about this when it comes to the cross. In Isaiah chapter 53, this was centuries before the crucifixion ever even existed. Here's what the prophet Isaiah wrote. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That goes beyond just physical healing. We we have spiritual healing. We have emotional healing. I I love the scene in Mark chapter 1, Jesus heals a leper. That wasn't just a physical healing. That was a social healing. This was somebody who was an outcast and rejected, and Jesus healed him and not only redeemed uh, his body, but restored his life. That's what we have through God. Now let me ask you, church, those things that we just mentioned, grace, restoration, and healing, we, have we done anything to deserve those? Not at all. And through the cross, God gives us those things. So here's my question as we head into Thanksgiving, understanding this, knowing this, what do we do with it? Like, like how do we respond to this? Because I can tell you what the easy way to respond is. When you get something you don't deserve, 
sometimes the easiest response is to go, you know, maybe I did deserve that. I'm not going to let somebody convince me I didn't deserve that. Maybe I did deserve that. And here's kind of what happens. Then the next time that same opportunity rolls around and you get what you normally get, you're like, well, I got better than that last time. I think I've told you guys a story where I've <clears throat> unintentionally turned myself into a snob in a few areas. Uh, when I lived in Phoenix, I, I went and golfed a few times early on in our, our time there. If you know anything about Phoenix, it's known as like a mecca for golf. I mean, especially this time of the year when it's cold and rainy everywhere else, it's a golf heaven down there. But uh, I'm used to playing on public courses that cost like 10, 15 bucks to go on, where, you know, sometimes you got to wait for a cow to get out of the way before you can take your shot, you know, those types of courses, right? And we get there, and that's what I play on the first couple times. This course called Trace Rios. Costs like 10 bucks to go play. Uh, play it a couple times. I get invited to go play one a little bit nicer. Then one a little bit nicer. And then one a little bit nicer. And finally, we get invited to go play on one that's rated in the top 10 courses in America called Quintero. This thing was super nice. I mean, one of the nicest experiences I've ever had. I mean, like every couple holes you pull up and somebody's like, would you like a towel that's soaked in mango oil to help control the heat in your body? Because it's like 112 degrees. Like, yeah, absolutely I would. You know, that's what I'm here for. Next week, someone's like, hey, Kurt, you want to go play at Trace Rios? Like, I'm no peasant. I don't golf at Trace Rios anymore. That was a month ago. I'm past all that now. We show up. Where are the, the mango towels? Like, what? Like, we don't have that here. You know, it's like suddenly you start thinking, you know, I deserve this. I've earned this. I've worked hard enough with this. It's easy to get that attitude. So when it comes to these attributes that Jesus gave us, these things Jesus gave us, this grace, this healing, this restoration, what do we do with it? How do we continue to show gratitude towards God in, in light of all this? I think there's a few ways. Number one, we, we worship. We worship God. Worship is recognizing the splendor and the majesty that God has created and realizing where you stand in comparison to this. How many of you like to go out alongside one of the, the drives on the mountains or over to the coast and just kind of stand like, wow. And, and, and despite all this, God, like, you chose me to bear your image? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gone, whether it's over at Crater Lake or, or places in Colorado or, or places uh, we were over at the coast a couple years ago uh, where you could actually see the Milky Way. And I'm like, man, this is, wow. Like, I don't even know how to respond right now. That's worship. Worship is the response to what God has done for you. It's our natural response to the sheer splendor and majesty of God. Another way that we can show gratitude is through humility by recognizing that God is God and we are not. through submitting to Him. I love the passage where it talks about Jesus being equal with God, didn't consider Himself equal with God, but He took on the form of us, a humble servant. And He came and He put on all of our human limitations. How many of you, I'm just curious, have very human limitations? Should be all of us, right? I can't run very... I started to say very fast. I can run fast. I can't run very far. I'm confident I can outrun any of you for at least 30 feet. <laughs> and then I'm in trouble. <laughs> I can't jump very high. I, I 
you know, I've got stuff that keeps my body from performing at its peak function like it maybe it once did. We all have that, right? So here's the thing with humility. We recognize that all of us, and by all of us, I mean all of us, were created by a God who loved us and died for us. I've spoken with some of you. That's very hard to admit that somebody in your life is somebody God created and loved and died for. Because we have some of those people in our lives who are like, I don't think God died for him. Everybody else, sure, but not this guy. But he did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. Right? Not, well, almost everyone. Whoever believes in him. And here's the the follow-up to that. Not only did God create all of us, but God created us all on purpose for a purpose. So why he created me in a certain way, he gave me certain strengths and certain weaknesses, he created you in the same way. So that you could go for whatever it is he put in your path, not what he put in my path, and vice versa. And here's the reason I bring this up, because I think part of humility is understanding, well, you know what, I feel like I deserve more than I have. Now that's sort of getting into what I want versus what I need versus what God gave me. And sometimes it's very easy to look around and say, well, they have this, why didn't God give me that? Well, maybe I don't need that to accomplish the purpose God gave me. But that person does. I don't need that skill because that's not part of what God gave me to accomplish, but it's a part of what God gave you to accomplish. That's humility. It's perspective. It's understanding why God has given me what he's given me, given you what he's given you. Another way that we can show gratitude towards God is by sharing his story with others. Okay, we we share his story with those around us. If God has done something in your life that is just so amazing and you're able to realize that, then you need to tell everybody about it. You need to tell everybody that you come across what God has done for you. And because, see, here's the thing I think that makes this easier. If you understand worship and humility and you understand why God has done for you what he's done for you, I think it makes it easier to tell everybody about him. Last week, I asked you all to write down the name of somebody who's lost. I've still got the list right here. We've been praying over these names that are on this list. I hope you've been praying for that person all week long. I hope that you uh, have been thinking of other names that you could add to your list. And if you didn't turn a paper in, that's okay, but I hope you've still got somebody in your life you're praying for who doesn't know Jesus, and you're praying that, that not only would that person be receptive, but that God would give you more and more opportunities to build relationships with those people. We've been praying with you. If you sent one of these cards in, we've been praying with you on this because we want everybody to know the good news. Another response we can give in gratitude towards God is we can increase our generosity. We can increase what we give to others. So here's part of understanding worship and understanding humility and understanding purpose with this. Everything you have is something God gave you to begin with or it's something he equipped you to acquire. And so therefore, if that's the case, why would you not want to give that away to others? Now I'm not saying you know, that, that you should give every single thing you have, but you should be giving and sharing and helping others especially as we head into this time of year. We head into this, this season. You realize that for many people, this is like the best time of the year, but for some people, this is the worst time of the year. 
Because if, I'm not trying to cut open any wounds here, but if you're hurting, this time of the year just exposes that even more. So find those people in your life. Give them your time. Give them your love. It's not always about giving material things. Give them part of your spirit. Just be with them. Pour into their lives. See, I'm I'm convinced of this, that, that the more generous you are, the more grateful you're naturally going to become. Those two are tied together. I don't think that you can be uh, humble without being generous. I think those two tie together. And humility, gratitude, all of this, all of this helps us understand that we didn't get what we deserve. Because what we deserve is not what we want. Here's ultimately, I think, what we get with all of this. When we talk about not getting what we deserve, we already said it, we deserve what? Death. But ultimately, what did Jesus give us? He gave us hope. He gave us hope through him. Colossians chapter 1. Paul's introduction, he says this, We thank, always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Here it is, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. That's what it boils down to, folks. Our hope is that gospel message that God created you and loved you and died for you. See, here's this. Our hope is not something that we can create ourselves. Our hope is in Jesus. We talked about restoration a moment ago. Uh, A great example of restoration is found in Romans chapter 5. Paul talks about peace. Through our faith in Jesus, we have peace. Now, if I ask you what's peace, you're probably going to say, well, it's, it's when there's uh, no conflict. There's no hostilities. We're at war. When the war stops, we have peace, right? But that's not what peace is all about. The Hebrew word shalom that w- can be translated to peace isn't about taking something away to create peace. It's about adding something to create peace. Specifically, it's not about removing conflict. It's about bringing us back to God. So you want peace, it's not, hey, what can I cut out of my life? It's, no, what can I put into my life? Peace with God is that, that restored relationship with Him. We think about that because in our world, we're constantly trying to find things to create peace for us. We're constantly trying to create, uh, whether it's new uh, societies or new uh, lifestyles, to, to create peace so that there's no conflict and there's, there's none of this going on. But here's our thing, folks, our peace will never be found in something that we can create. It'll never be found in a leader. It'll never be found in a, in a, in a system. It's only found through Christ. It's only found through his kingdom. So here's the thing, contrary to what our culture might say, our hope is not defined by what we can um, create, what we think we deserve. Our hope is only found in Jesus. And specifically, our hope comes from Jesus giving us what we most certainly did not deserve. He gave us life. He gave us the love of God. We deserve death, and he gave us hope. So here's a takeaway I want to have for you today. Your takeaway is simple. It's this. I want you to make a list of the things that you don't deserve that you have. And then I want you to thank God for them. 
I saw something that just floored me. You were talking here about Jesus in his final moments, which we don't talk about at this time of year very often. I saw, saw a Facebook meme the other day that just, it just got my attention. Usually Facebook memes don't. This one did. But it said, there's a popular question. If you knew you had one day left to live, what would you do? And what would most of us say? We'd go live it up. Eat whatever we wanted to eat. You know? Hey, there's, there, there's no consequences, right? I got one day left to live. I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat. Spend all my money. You know, I'm going to go do everything I can do. I'm going to live it up. The follow-up to the question was, Jesus knew he had one day left to live. And he washed feet. And he washed feet of men who were about to betray him. He served others. They were about to put him on a cross. When we think that we don't have what we deserve, be thankful that you don't. Be thankful that we don't get what we deserve. We're going to do something a little bit different as we kind of wrap up our service this morning. Because before we get into our time of communion, I'm not sure who's, who's playing, but if you want to come on up uh, to play. Um, we're going to give you a chance. If you don't know what we're talking about, if you don't know what this peace and love of Jesus is all about, and this hope is all about, I'm going to give you the chance. I'm going to stand right here while, while Lynn plays. But if you don't know the love of Jesus, we'd like to extend the invitation to you today. When Jesus went to that cross, he went for all of us. And just like that criminal on the cross, maybe you walk in here today and you're like, Kurt, you have no idea what I've done in my life. You have no idea the baggage that I bring in here. You have no idea the people I've hurt. And Jesus is saying, come join me in paradise. As long as you have breath, it is not too late to call out to Jesus. And the Bible tells us if you call in the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So if you've lived a life that you want to turn away from and you want to experience that peace and you don't want to get what you deserve, Jesus is waiting for you today. And I would love to just pray with you if, if that's the case. So as Lynn plays, we're going to extend this invitation for a moment before we move into our time of, of communion. Father, we are so thankful that we did not get what we deserve. God, we are so thankful, Lord, that we were given hope and grace and healing and restoration. God, I pray today for hearts in this room, Lord, if there's a heart that needs to be changed, Lord, you would speak to that heart. You would speak to that soul and let them know. They, they may be saying, God, I don't deserve you. God, you would remind them, hey, none of us do, but you, you came anyway. You came to save us anyway. Even while we were still sinners, you died for us. So God, I pray for the lives that may be thinking about how can I, how can I accept Jesus? What is this all about? I'm curious. Lord, you'd continue to speak to hearts and open hearts. 
God, you would continue to point people towards you, point us into their lives. And God, maybe, maybe somebody today didn't want to walk up up here. That's okay, Lord, that you would, you would point them in the direction of somebody who can have this conversation with them. God, we're so thankful that Jesus came for us, that Jesus delivered us, Lord, that Jesus went to the cross despite the fact I did nothing to deserve that. We're so thankful for Jesus. We love you. We pray in his name. Amen.